and this, this is this. Ah, oh, come on. You told me I could say this is this this time. If you tell me what you saw, then I'll tell you what you miss. You get away from me. Modest Mouse. Oh, never mind. Do you know the song? Yeah. Um, she's got lips like a cougar and, uh... It's the ocean breathes salty. And oh. Modest Mouse would never have a song <laughs> called She Has Lips Like a Cougar. That's some hinder nonsense. <laughs> Do you know uh, my band at practice on Friday, we covered Lips of an Angel? No, Mostly I Mostly just because I wanted I'm... to scream lips into a microphone. Right. I mean, with your lips, you screamed li- the word lips. This it was pretty good. sad. No, you don't scream with your lips. If you scream with your lips, you have the world's most impressive lips. Um, you scream with your diaphragm. Are you sure? Can That's you show just a me, science fact. Can you show me on the anatomy where where that that's a that's a fact, sir? It's okay. Split the difference between the nipples. Okay. And then move down some. Okay, I've moved down. Scientifically, some. that's how you locate it. I've reached the belly button. Do I continue or, or have I gone too far? It's hard to say. It depends hard, on how you're sitting. Hard stop. Hard stop. Okay. So anyway. Yeah, there was a lot of bad songs back when we were growing up. Like, I think more okay. bad songs than there were good songs. Chris, For instance, Nickelback was a great band. S- Simple Plan existed. Okay. And that was just a dark corner. Bowling for Soup was taken seriously. <laughs> hey, do you know what that guy's doing now? I mean, I guess not anymore because I think they went out of business. But did you know the Bowling for Soup guy, when they rebranded Chuck E. Cheese away from, like, the... No. Like, because Chuck E. Cheese used to be, like, the big, fat, animatronic rat. And when yeah, they yeah, rebranded yeah. him to, like, the skinny rock star Chuck E. Cheese that very, was on the commercials, very the, cool. voice, the voice was the Bowling for Soup guy. No. Yeah. No. And now That's 1985 so has, like, a whole new dark undertone. Yeah. He became, he became the voice of a generation of lost souls. And I think Chuck E. Cheese has gone out of business now. No, 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 dude. There's one right by me. Do you want another weird Chucky fact? Yeah, I mean, like, that's what this show is about, so of course. You know the, you know the dog at Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, Pluto. Bonus, no, not Pluto. That's Disney Hunter. And oh, crud. now we're going to get sued twice. <laughs> We've got the two biggest names in ch- childhood entertainment. The I'm, two biggest I'm, I'm rat sorry. kings. I'm so sorry. I, I, I know his name, obviously. Clifford. I okay. Well, that one we're fine. I mean, you're okay. wrong. But we're safe. <laughs> we're we're gonna be okay. Isn't it weird that like all the kids' mascots are like, yes, a rat, <laughs> like or a mouse. Yeah. Um. Anyhow, the you know Chuck E. Cheese was like local. It was like discount local Disney World. It had games. It had slides. It had a ball pit where you could contract something, right. and the you know there weren't like as many rides, but it was still like it wasn't a mouse; it was a rat. But it had all. If you the don't hallmarks. tell me what this dog's name is, I'm going Jasper. to lose my. It's Thank Jasper. It's Jasper Hunter. Okay, Thank but get you. this. Okay. They when COVID started, a uh-huh. restaurant popped up on my Uber Eats, uh-huh. and it was <gasps> called like Jasper's Jasper's Italian Kitchen or something like no, that. No, dude. And it was just Chuck E. Cheese food that they rebranded on Uber no Eats. No way. How That's weird is crazy. that? They no, had I, like, like all the nasty pizza with the bubbles on the bottom and the chicken wings and stuff. Yeah, no, they actually, the Chuck E. Cheese by me, it's like really close to my house. Like it's like 
no joke, it's probably a five minute drive from my house. And that's not a violation of your parole or anything. Not yet. Okay. This is not <laughs> technically a school. Not technically a school, so I'm good. Um, so the Chuck E. Cheese, uh, they had signs up like immediately, like free or not free, uh, um, wings and pizza like delivery and it's like overnight it became like a pizza delivery that was competing with like papa john's and domino's next did to you us. order sweet. any any child pizza no because i have i have partaken of the keto curse brother that's and true i can't eat any of the child pizza now <laughs> no child pizza None. anyway um i think we've pretty much covered Chuck E. cheese as a topic is there anything nah. else um No, I'll tell you one more relevant Chuck E. Cheese that, story. That was, a, was really a really good pregnant pause with a negative <laughs> followed by one more, you know, <laughs> which is just awful I, radio. I was the um, the plan B to your pregnant pause. Yeah, um, that's true. Anyhow, uh, I was a little too late, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, so no. When I was a child, there was a there was a game that came to our local Chuck E. Cheese where you could like you could run away from the cops after you did like a big robbery, and then like you could. Oh, you I could, remember this. And Mom I was just like a little kid. It. I was like six or seven, and so I wrote a letter with under the advisement right. of my my lawyer grandfather, who's turning I think two hundred and seventy tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we got the game pulled, and like the managers were like. Yeah, we actually didn't review this at all. Like, thanks for bringing this to our attention. We shouldn't have this where kids can play it. Very and cool. so anyway, they pulled it. It was like some kind of Grand Theft Auto clone, you know? Mm, so what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say is I've been a narc since birth. That's right. Actually, that was my last act of narcdom. Then yeah. took over full narking responsibilities, <laughs> I think. That's true. King of the uh, narcs. Well, as much as I'd love to continue talking about rats and pizza, Hunter, let's talk about another way you can enjoy uh rodentia in all of its different forms roadkill right because the show is carl pulling a show between two brothers who who used to ride around in a honda civic doing all kinds of crazy things and recording this podcast we got sick and tired of that because covid happened and now we record it uh in our studio apartments uh, that one of us live in. The other one lives in a house like a real adult. And we lovingly talk about politics, philosophy, religion, science, and art sometimes, like our movie podcast last week. Uh, so yeah, that's what the show is about. And now we'll move on to our favorite how, segment. How dare you <laughs> How dare I? my two-bedroom in Uptown <laughs> a studio? I what literally do I look did- like to you? I did that just to get under your skin. That's all. Do you know what a studio apartment is? Yeah, it's this, it's an apartment that's like it's all it's you only have thirteen square feet. You have to uh-huh. cut a hole in the mattress to use the bathroom. Sure. And you cook everything on a stovetop suspended from the ceiling above you. George Foreman grill. Yeah. It's, yeah. Don't put that evil on me. Okay. So. Studio apartment, real house. Got it. No problems. On to the Oh, that joke was even better the second time, Hunter. We have a segment <laughs> it's called Roadkill. It's where Hunter is blindfolded and duct taped, and then I get to get in a twenty ten Honda Civic and see how fast I can go 
the zero to 60 on that thing is like what like seven heat deaths of the universe yeah and anyway i try and run out of him and every week he gets a little bit more injured if you couldn't tell from his brain damage considering he doesn't know what a studio apartment is that's true and i've never uh, seen one before my entire life i'm so rich then we post the medical bills to our instagram (laughs) it's a great show um but yeah so roadkill is where we lovingly read something uh off the internet or a story or whatever it is uh, kind of poking fun at the left that really doesn't need any commentary, but we're going to comment on it anyway. You're welcome. You're welcome. Everybody. You're really welcome. It's not like there wasn't enough like cynicism in your life already. So we're going to uplift it with some uplifting cynicism. Uh, So, so uh, Chris, we're just coming off the uh, Democratic National Convention. Yep. And we just did night one of the Republican National Convention. So yes, sir. The hot takes are coming in. Um, they are so hot, these yeah. takes, on both sides. I'm like, well, I will say the DNC was a bit of a disaster. However, Joe Biden did fine. I think he did better than anyone would have expected. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, but like the stuff leading up to it was a little bit like okay like them talking endlessly about joe biden's faith and his god you know how godly he was when literally his parish has banned him from taking communion right because he likes baby murder it was just like a bunch of weird notes like that and then you know uh anybody who would speak at the rnc is an uncle tom or whatever you want to say and then they have common and uh, what was that guy? What's that guy? John Legend out there doing a praise and worship song about themselves. Like, it was just bizarre, some right. elements of it. But Joe Biden did fine. But, like, also, I've been annoyed at just the general gushiness at the RNC. Like, this is the least interesting television, everybody. Like, oh, I don't sure. know why we're acting like we care. I, 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 I make a point not to watch it. The only thing that I think that is, like, interesting to watch is the debates. Um, yeah. I always find the debates, even even if nothing happens, I just find them interesting because it's mm-hmm. like, hey, one of these two people is going to uh, be the ruler of America. So, you know, don't I want that. Why not? <laughs> because that's not that's some British nonsense. We don't need that here. Sure, 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 sure. Um, so getting getting to my point, Christopher, mm-hmm. that about this segment that I do on the show. And that you bought out of. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, so let me just read you this headline. Racial slurs trend on Twitter less than 24 hours after Herschel Walker, Tim Scott, Vernon Jones, Kim Klasick give powerful RNC speeches. Now, what we really need to talk about is the major crime in here is the fact that they didn't put an and in that list. Uh, there should definitely be an and between Vernon Jones and and Kim Klasick, but there isn't. Um, yeah. Well, so do that, they have the ox? Do they have a dangling Oxford comma? They have the they have the dangle, Chris. I'm looking at it right now. It's a full dangle. That's hard to stomach. It's really hard to just. It's really hard to see that and like feel okay about it. So, do, do they not realize that they're online now? Like they don't have to pay by the word. <laughs> I I have no idea, dude. I'm pretty sure that nobody knows how the internet works. Uh, everyone still believes it's Twitter, um, you know. So, but okay, back back to the good stuff here. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? That's like 
Yes, I I shouldn't be primed to believe that, but I do. You know, right. it's so funny. I was watching a video earlier this week, and there was some uh, bubble tea restaurant out in somewhere um, called Trap Tea uh-huh. was the name. And this lady walks in. She's black. And she is giving these Asian clients hell over mm. the fact that they, I guess that they had the word trap in the name because it was like trap music or something like that. I don't know if it's that or if it had to do with, she thinks that like bubble tea is actually black and not Asian, but she was effectively saying, oh, here we are again. Asian people are uh appropriating our culture this that and the other and she's just giving them giving them the you know both barrels wild these 18 year olds behind the counter right well there's a black guy who's next in line to her and she's like i came here because i wanted to support a black owned business i told all my friends i was going to support a black owned business and i was like first hint that you're kind of secretly just a little racist just a first hint then it's so funny she's like the guy next to her he goes he just goes like okay well and this is an African-American guy. She goes, no, you shut your mouth. You're a coon. And I was like, what? What? Like, you have what? to be the, kidding the me. The turnaround time on this is insane. And, and like, Wow, dude. I guess I'm just at the point, and, and forgive me for saying that word. I'm quoting that video. Obviously, that's not anything I would say in my normal parlance. But right. the, the crazy thing about it is that that these people pretend like, that, like this lady was so mad. So she loved black people so much right, that, she that she was hated furious this one. that she was giving her dollars to some Asian people because she can only give her dollars to black people. And then as Insanity. soon as someone disagrees with you, it's like racial slur. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. So like, I I want to say that that surprised me. It should, but like mm. this is just that. It's a disease, man, and that's a that's what the disease does to you, I guess. Yeah, it's it's really. Str- interesting too because like i don't know you didn't see anything like this happen during the dnc you know what i mean and like that's not saying that right-wing crazy people don't trend stuff on twitter that's offensive that's not that's not what i'm saying but it, it it's this is like normal convention you know and we mm-hmm. should expect we should expect like out of the two political parties in the United States that diverse people speak at both of those parties. It shouldn't mm-hmm. surprise anybody. You know, there's, we've had plenty of black Republicans. We've had plenty of, you know, uh, Indian Republicans. We've had plenty of Puerto Rican Republicans. We've had plenty of Cuban Republicans, like go down the list. Right. right. Um, and so like, it, it should be a normal thing and it should be like, okay. And just because the color of somebody's skin um, shows up at one of those conventions, it doesn't mean you get to like attack them by their race. You know, right. they're they're individuals. They get to have their opinions, and like to do so is like to say like, why aren't you why aren't you joining the block that we want to put you in? Right, right. right. And, and it shows that it shows that radicals on either side have more in common with each other than they do with any of the rational people on either yeah. side in the middle. And yeah. now let's not lose sight of the fact that radicalism is becoming mainstream on the left. And that's the reason we started this show. And so I'm not losing the line of sight on that. There are increasingly fewer reasonable, moderate liberals that exist today. And the mm-hmm. number is going to 
it appears that the number continues to decrease. So like, but put that aside for a second, but it's so funny to me because like these, these extreme leftist nut jobs are doing the exact same thing that the extreme right nut jobs want to do. You know, they're calling for segregated spaces and the racists are like, perfect. That sounds great. Right. You know, it's just, they have way more in common with each other than they'd ever like to admit, but there's more, there's more, like if you're gonna call if you're gonna call the KKK alt right, there's more alt right in these alt left people than there are in moderate right people. You know right. what I'm saying? It's just crazy I, yeah. to me. Yeah, no, I mean like you're getting to the point where like you're seeing this in comedy like come out. There's yeah. this great video. Uh, I, not maybe maybe great's the wrong descriptor. This very funny video of like it's this guy and and another comedian and they're both wearing shirts and one says racist and one says woke or something yeah, like that yeah, on I've it. Seen it. And it's just, it's just your point, but, 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 uh, in a comedic veneer stylized. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it really, really drives home the point. That's like, you know, like it, it, it's getting to the point where it's just funny, like right. where there, where it's, it's, there's not where the intention behind the actions are different, but the results and the actions themselves are indistinguishable. Right, like the first, the the most famous defunder of police departments in all time was Hitler. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that yeah, there was yeah. nobody to stop his brown shirts from doing whatever they wanted. It's like you guys are playing the same game. And, and here's the thing: I, as I watch more of these these riots and things in the media go down, I, I stop believing in people's good intentions. Not that I think that people want... Not that you ever did. Right. Well, what I'm, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is this. Not that I think that people want uh, necessarily bad things to happen, although some obviously do. Um, but I think that what people really want is chaos. I think what, what some of these people really want sure. is to, to throw a fit and say things aren't fair. And either it's that Jew or it's that black guy or it's these white people or it's that billionaire instead of doing something productive they would rather destroy from those who have so that they don't feel as empty because they have not and they'd have not because they work not you know what i'm saying people want a boogeyman right yeah yeah and and i think that makes sense like i mean i want a boogeyman sometimes you know what i mean and like well and you can legitimize the boogeyman that you know that you made up because you go look at all the cars that are burning obviously this is a problem but that's sure you're you're seeding your own evidence sure, instead of yeah. pointing it out in the wild. Sure, it's good Anyhow. to have a reasonable boogeyman because sometimes boogeymen exist, but don't be irrational about them. I suppose right. is the best way to think right. about it. Hey, uh, just one thing: there was one part of the RNC that w- was absolutely not a waste of time, and that was the sixty-five seconds that they gave Mickey Haley to speak. Um, Ye- yeah, my no, I'm eternal I'm, love and spirit animal. <laughs> and one other thing, just this Kim Clasic girl, she's insane, dude. All right, all yeah. right. She, I'm she's, liking what I see. Oh, what's the uh, Baltimore? No, who cares? Candace Owens. Uh, she seems to me like the more rational Candace Owens. Oh, sure. And, and well, I, I have to be fair to Candace. Candace has like thousands and thousands of hours of her talking online sure kim has like 10 so sure. like we'll give her some time but but i i will say like i haven't ever seen anything from candace that i was like oh that was polished 
Does that make sense? And like, yeah, Kim, Kim, and like, uh, th- everything I saw her say, some of it is obviously obviously biased and from her point of view, but like everything was like debate level argument, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And so like, I f- I feel like I feel much more comfortable and much more trusting of Kim Klasik than I do Candace Owens like any day of the week. So. Yeah, and let's be fair. Both of them beat the crap out of Tommy Lauren. So anyhow, <laughs> um, I, I do, I do like Kim Klasik's "Come Walk with Me Through Baltimore" campaign Such ad. A great ad. It's a really good ad, and she seems really well spoken. She's yep, yep. bright. She's attractive. She's got everything going for her. I really am interested in learning more about her and seeing how she does in some of these races. Same, um, yeah, because. I think that she could be the first black woman president um, and just make their heads explode. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, and it's actually good to see too. Um, not that I think that the Republican party has a race problem. Like I think that the, uh, the uh, DNC obviously does have a race problem when you're saying you're not black, if you're not voting for us, right. Um, nobody in the RNC would say that. And by the right. same token, um, They've obviously had their run-ins with anti-Semitism lately, but it's nice to see somebody poll really favorably with the base who's not the typical-looking candidate. You know what I'm saying? Sure, Um, yeah. It's just just nice to see. I don't think it means anything. It's not what I care about. It's not what matters. I care about people's ideas. Right. But we know that that's not true for everybody, so it's really refreshing to have that little litmus check that's like, yeah, this person is uh, is doing well and people are focusing on the right things. Yes, when you can put like a Kim Klasik up there and then everybody is like fine with it, it doesn't, the, 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 the positive information that you gain from that, which is what you're referring to, doesn't matter so much, but it's a nice to know that there are no negatives. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Like, hey, the party's cool with, the, the party is cool with, this individual and there is no problems the w- terrible part going back to our article is then everybody calls her an uncle tom which is yeah. just like listen she can have different opinions and she can agree with different people and that doesn't mean she's a race traitor so right yeah you can you can be black and still read to kill a mockingbird it's true yeah yeah no i, I but to kill a mockingbird says a set does a really good job of making you sympathetic for people in that time period, regardless of your race. Right. You know, and And I think that's the goal of it. People are critical of it now because it's like, Oh, they needed a white person to save them. I'm like, well, if you're going to go like to a Soho diner and yell at the people that won't raise their fists because they don't like your Marxist organization, that's burning up car dealerships and knocking people out with, with, you know, uh, Gatorade bottles full of cement and whatever. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, like at a certain point, you're basically saying white silence is violence, but then you're gonna come down on this literary masterpiece because a white person was the opposite of silent. Like, pick a lane, right? And this is why I stop trusting people's intentions. There's no rationale, there's no basis, there's no structure. It's just chaos all the time, top to bottom, all the way down, and it's annoying to me. But Kim Klasik. And uh, and Nikki, Nikki Haley. Haley, that's a ticket that we can all vote for. Uh, am I trying to influence the way that you vote? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to America, Bucko. Welcome, Welcome to carpooling. 
So we could talk about the new instance of violence. We could talk about the new police shooting. We could talk about the new uh, wave of violence that's happening. In fact, they're about to start gathering outside of my door here in about an hour and a half. Not joking. But we thought, what is an antidote to chaos? And we asked Jordan Peterson, uh, mm-hmm. because you know he's got a book dedicated to that topic, and he told us the answer was firearms. And so yeah. that's Didn't expect what we're that going to talk about today. Uh, you know, Canada actually has the 12th highest gun homicide rate uh, as far as countries go, per country. So, oh. Hunter, I've been doing so much research. I'm just going to be Mr. Stats today. Do you want to know where that comes impressive. from? That was pretty impressive. No. Uh, but, okay. you could sh- but you should tell me. <laughs> End of I show. I don't know if you deserved it. <laughs> um... I will tell you, I've got so many tabs open. Mm-hmm. I, I had to go out and buy more RAM for my computer just to maintain this just level for the of tabs, tabbage. Huh? Okay. Yeah, because uh, I knew that our audience, discerning as they are, was not going to settle for anything less. Can I ask a question? Can you? How many how many tabs can you get with one RAM? I Christopher. You literally broke my brain. (laughs) So here we go. Canada is ranked 12th in the world for the number of civilian-owned guns per capita. Oh, sorry. That's what I meant to say. They're 12th in the world for guns owned. um, And they have one of the world's lower homicide rates. I totally butchered that statistic. When I said I was going to be Mr. Facts, what I meant, I was was going to lie about Canada a lot. But some provinces... The provinces in Canada have higher uh, homicide rates than United States, uh, certain areas of the United States, with less restrictive laws and higher rates of gun ownership. Um, so what it's basically saying is that even though they're ranked 12th in the world for number of civilian-owned guns, they have they have more violence uh, than U.S. states that have higher rates of gun ownership. Got it. And less restrictive gun laws. So it's an interesting little case study between us and our neighbors to the cold maple north. Yeah. I mean, but honestly, if I lived in Canada, I would shoot people too. Are you kidding? It's cold. Well, what else is there to do? What else is there to do? At a certain point. Yeah. Like, and you if can't the hockey's the not on and right. Tim Hortons is closed for renovation. Right. Um, God, Tim. So we, we're going to talk about firearms today, and we we're going to talk about them from the perspective that... Uh, just as a as an overview, kind of a yeah. What is the philosophy behind owning a gun? You know, what are what does the U.S. Constitution say about owning a gun? What do you see about societies that own guns? And then uh, maybe to top it off, if you want to decrease gun violence and you have a population with a lot of guns, right? Is there anything reasonable to do to decrease that violence? And maybe we'll go into debunking some of the some of the um, typically cited arguments right. that get bandied about when people start talking about this. So, Hunter, why don't you, uh, why don't you get us started? Yeah, let me do that. Um, I think this is one of those things where, you know, and I think we've said this a couple of times on the show, you know, being empathetic isn't enough. Being kind isn't enough. You know, it, just caring doesn't make you moral, Right. And I think another good point to think about this is to, um, is in regards, uh, well, I'll get there. 
my second point, which was good, um, that Wait, you all... <laughs> what? What just happened? I, I just lost my my train of thought. Um, oh, you're going to ask me to edit this out, and I'm going to leave it in. No, I want you to leave it in. I, hardcore, I want you to leave this in. Let me restart your engine. First point was that caring doesn't make you moral. Caring doesn't um, make you moral. You can, you can care deeply and make the wrong decision and do something greatly immoral. This is obviously oh, true. And I got my second point. You want me to go? Yeah, dude. Knock it okay. out. And, and in addition to that, you, what you attempt to do with a social change more than likely doesn't accomplish the result that you want it to. Right. Yeah, we talked about and, that too. Right. And so I think when you, when you come to guns, it's such an emotional reaction to death is really what you're reacting to, to not the guns. Uh, guns are just an effective tool of carry of carrying out death that a lot of the emotional, like right off the hip uh, reactions that we have to like want to fix that doesn't necessarily correlate with actually fixing the problem. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem too is, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit is we don't exist in a society that we can play with all the knobs and it's all fresh and new and we can pick the rules for how it interacts. We live in America we live, we are the crazy people who left uh, the Western world because we were sick and tired of being told who to pray to, sick and tired of having to pay taxes and going to jail. Like, that's who came to America, right? right. And guess what? When we f- got over here, there were a lot of, you know, other people that wanted to kill us, and there were a lot of uh, animals here that wanted to kill us, and guns are a part of this culture regardless if you and i'm not i'm not in any way like apologizing or saying that is all good i'm just saying that like the bread and butter of the people of america and the culture of america has guns a part of it and now we have like more guns than people here and so you can't necessarily just make laws like no more guns and expect it to work in a country with that much history with guns. Right. And, and yeah. another thing that we should just say while we're saying that, it, it's obviously part of our identity, right? It's it's sure. in one of our, our founding legal documents uh, mm-hmm. via amendment. Mm-hmm. And it, it also was the impetus for our birth. Like we yeah, would exactly. not, America would not be here right now without guns. And you can't say that of every other country. Right. Um, there's there's so, many countries that have, have formed without revolution. So anyway, I say that. And at the same time, I'll say this, America has always been a violent place. Well, newsflash, the world has always been a violent place. Mm -hmm. There is not, there is not a country or, or square inch of populated land on earth that has been peaceful. And even in places where people don't live, the polar bears are taking care of the violence for us. Like the world's just a violent place. No uh, species of bear is not a cannibal, right? So but one one good thing uh, one good thing re- abides, and that mm-hmm. is that at this part of our history, we are the least violent that we've ever been, and we also have access to the most guns. One caveat there: there is a uptick in violence that has been going on for the past three months. So I don't well, yeah. know when the when the year closes out if we'll be on a smooth trend downward, but when you take the past 60 years into account, we have been steadily decreasing in violence, even though watching 
you know, MSNBC might make it seem otherwise. Uh, all violent crimes are on the decline in America, uh, except for in some major cities and now during the riots. And uh, specifically, gun-related homicides have been on the decline for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know what will be interesting is if we live long enough to see it and America is still around uh, is to see like how the time, how the how the how the riots affect the statistics around gun violence and how that affects the way people talk about it. It's like, well, they weren't always going down, you know. And it's right, like, well, right. Well, did you remember about them burning like Chicago and everywhere else, or did we yeah. just forget that conveniently? Anyway. You know, one funny thing, just as a as a point um, uh, about part about the conventions going on, the election coming up, mm-hmm. and violence. Uh, you know, Trump saw his highest ever approval ratings during the Democratic National Convention. He broke 51% job approval rating uh, on Reuters, I believe, which oh, wow. he's never been over 50%. Yeah, that's And insane. he continues to do well during the, the Republican National Convention. And some of the liberals um, that I follow on social media and stuff has been saying that some of their initial polling shows that one issue is is violence that uh, public safety is a huge concern and that some of these people that were sold out for Biden are not, are going to vote uh, red in November because of public safety issues. And everyone on Twitter, all the idiots who only live in their Twitter sphere were like, well, Trump was president when the riots were happening. So it's under him. And I'm like, you can't go through two years of Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and everybody whose blood runs even a little blue and cold suggesting that give them no safe spaces, harass them at restaurants, harass them at gas stations, run them out of your city, encouraging this type of behavior and then blame it on Trump. It's just so ridiculous. Anyhow, that's just a side note. Just scoot back all the way to 2016. Like the big riots and stuff that are happening, like in Portland and California uh, at Berkeley, uh, you know, capital A, capital N, capital Tifa, you know, (laughs) like so... You know, yeah. this is this is a don't you remember a, like the bike lock guy like that was like early 2016. Right. And yeah. and the uh, the Democratic elite have been pushing this and and supporting this and supporting groups like Black Lives Matter, who is calling for violence. No, justice. there was no a professor peace. who was supporting who was saying that Antifa was a good movement getting like airtime on CNN. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? You don't get to blame this. You don't get to blame this on the uh, the rhinos anymore. Right. right, right Anyhow, right. Um, if you do, Poor you Mitt. can, and we'll just ignore you because you're so intellectually dishonest that it would be impossible to actually have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, um, that that being said, uh, guns, guns uh, are the gun violence rate in America might be increasing slightly. We'll have to wait for some more numbers to come in. Although we already know that there was um, a bunch of violence and specifically gun violence in Chaz. There was a bunch of violence in uh, Portland, Seattle and Baltimore and all these some in Atlanta. Some in Atlanta. Yeah. So there there's, we might see an uptick lately, but extenuating circumstances, nothing's as easy as just looking at the data. Uh, so anyway, that's where we stand right now. But yeah, I think it's essential to get back to your your main point, Hunter. I think it's essential to say that even as we've increased our access to guns, we've also increased our access to safety, if you will, as right. a society. So that's good. So news. maybe the first thing then is to, you know, um, and I don't know if you have any research around this, but like, 
I think the first thing is to like to, to consider is like, w- what is the benefit of having an armed society? Right. And mm-hmm. kind of like think through that point. And one of the benefits is, well, you know, the printing press and the gun kind of revolutionized the world. Um, the printing press said, Hey, books are cheap. Everybody can read. They weren't massive works that took forever to, to, to work with. And the gun and, was like, and the oh, Catholics didn't like it. No, 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 to remember. Right. And everybody hates Catholics. Right. In fact, Naturally. if you're Catholic listening to this show, we love you and we need your sub. Please, please click yeah, like. Please, please, please give please, us a five-star review. Please give us a five-star review. We'll go to mass and repent. We will. We promise. Um, but but in addition to that, you, and the gun basically said, hey, you know that feudal lord who rules your land and tells you that you have to pay him taxes? Guess what? You don't have to do that anymore because his knights can't stand your firearms, right? Right. And so, um, and it's the equalizer too. It's it's the thing that makes... In a, in a certain sense, men and women uh, equal in lethality, right? And, yeah, and concealable, sure. and concealable, concealable lethality, right? And yeah. so it's really changed the independence that people have. Um, you know, it's changed where people can go. It's changed what people can do. And to lose sight of that is, you know, uh, it's not to realize what we've been given by that level of violence. Mm-hmm. In, in a strange way, Christopher... And I don't, this is a tangent, so let's just leave it. But it's similar in the way that like nuclear weapons have made the world a safer place. Yeah. You know, in a really, really weird, weird way. You know what I mean? Well, uh, let's, let's just do this little juxtaposition real fast. The printing press, I mean, what are the realms in which humans can compete? Uh, There's effectively the physical realm and then the intellectual realm, right? Mm -hmm. And then you might say, there's some subdivisions of those two, but by and large, that's where we're competing and some cross, you know, cross contamination between the two. Sure. Um, so, but by and large, that's where we compete, right? Well, literacy is the single greatest thing you can do for your intellectual health. You become literate and you unlock the ability to learn other things, um, independently, especially with the internet now. And of course the internet is, a, a, a at least a Gutenberg level revolution, if not more. So that's right. one, one issue. Okay. Well, competing physically, uh, in another, in the other realm, uh, guns are the great equalizer. There is no way, there is no way that, you know, uh, your standard female is ever going to overpower me. Right. Um, I think about Hunter's wife and her arms (laughs) break whenever she tries to make a pot of coffee because it's so heavy. It's Um, so heavy. Uh, and I, what I mean is that just physicality, you know, I'm a foot and a half taller than her right. and my arms are probably triple the diameter. You know right. what I'm saying? Like legitimately right. there's just nothing she could do. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and by the same token, uh, there's, there's no way that I could overpower her if I was unarmed and she was armed. And right. Exactly. Right. If we were both armed, well, now we've moved, we've actually shifted the conflict, right? It's no longer mm-hmm. a, a struggle of um, physicality. It's a struggle of, of mentality again. Skill, And, yeah. you know, who's going to de-escalate? Who can say the right thing? Who can pick their spot and win? You know, you've, you've shifted it back to a traditionally more peaceful realm. Right. So the, sometimes the deterrent is the answer. So, right. It's it's worth thinking about in a in a 
philosophical vacuum, at least, that it forces it forces conflicts to collapse to the to the mental, which I think is better for everybody. Right, and that and that's kind of like what you see happening with wars. Like the reason we didn't get into a hot war with Russia is because nukes. And have nukes made things more complicated? Yeah, we can actually destroy ourselves. Do we know exactly what to do with like nuclear waste? Not quite yet. You know, we're still working <laughs> we're out the bugs. Working there. on it. We're working on it. Leave me alone, mom. But you know, we're getting there. But but my point being is that, but we haven't had more wars since, and it's, you know, like eighty years. Mm-hmm. 80 years is pretty good you know we're not we don't have any mass murders we've had small wars but we haven't had wars between nuclear powers anyway that it's kind of a it's a good thing to remember that it has you brought some good into the world uh despite it increasing man's ability to kill one another right um, yeah mutually assured destruction in any realm ensures that no there's no tyrant sure yeah um and so i think the you know Obviously, the American Revolution is a product of the American people being able to keep and own their arms um, and use them against the British, although really the French guns are the things that really turn the tide. <laughs> Thank you there, Napoleon. You know, really, really appreciate you coming through there in the end, buddy. Yeah. I don't know if it was Napoleon, but it just seems like the right guy to thank. There probably was somebody named Napoleon somewhere in there. Or Louis... Or Louis, or yeah. uh, uh, they're not a creative baguette. people. Their idea of creative is take your top off. Right, and I can I mean, say that because I had my French residency, so I'm basically a part of you're their. You're basically culture. French, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and I think now we live in this. So I, I think, and I don't know if you have stats on this, but like I think it would be helpful to compare um, how many lives are saved via, via guns. Do I have stats on this? And then so, compared to how many violent deaths occur via guns. Yes, I think you've Hunter, got me covered. I've got yeah. you covered. And Help we're going to go a couple of different places, but the bulk of this is going to be the CDC. They had a, a, a report done back in 2016 under the behest of Barack Obama after the Sandy Hook shooting that viewed guns through the lens of a mental health. I'm sorry, a public health crisis Ah, and so that was the impetus for the study and it's why the cdc got involved and so in america i haven't heard barack obama talk about this study he 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 ordered the study he ordered it okay understood from from the cdc and so what they determined and it's a bit of it's a bit of independent research and it's a bit of a meta-analysis of the relevant research that had been done at the time and so what they discovered is there are about 30,000 gun-related homicides in America every year. That's okay. three zero with three trailing zeros. How many of those are suicide? That is a super relevant question. So about two-thirds of those every year are suicides. So okay. a lot of people will quote that 30,000 number and talk about gun deaths. Um, however, the, the suicide rate... Uh, of that is it's about 60 to 65 percent so oh, wow now we're down to about 10,000 gun related homicides now the thing to remember here as well is that there are diff- that is that is every time a trigger is pulled and somebody dies so this okay. includes like lawful defensive good shoots as Got well it. as police activity that's deemed lawful and good police activity that's deemed bad murder and uh, all all of that, all of that 
specificity is lost in that 10,000 number. But when you look at the American population, 10,000 mm. does not seem... 10,000 a year. This is one of our less less violent public health crises. Yeah. I mean, that's, that doesn't touch car-related homicide, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyhow, so that's interesting. Uh, one other thing to note, as you know, my stats are from about 2016 on this. So it's important to rem- remember that the 2011 homicide rate, according to Pew Research, was about half that of the rate in 1991. And in addition, they did a follow-up, and the 2013 gun-related death rate was half of that rate in 1990, or half of the rate of 1993. So you see that we've got, at least in that pair of decades, we had a 20-year half-life on got it. the amount of homicide. That's all homicide. Okay, so going into your specific question, how can we juxtapose that number, that 10,000 number, with the number of defensive gun use cases? Um, there's some different, some widely varying studies on that. Okay. But probably based on the definition that people are using. For sure. So I'm going to read you directly from the CDC's uh, published paper on this. Okay. There's What's your source? Est- CDC, Center for Disease <laughs> Control. And uh, they're, they're actually referencing um, the NCVS study by McDowell et al. in 1998. CDC uh, is a Republican organization, correct? Hunter, I swear, you are fake news. And <laughs> Kleck and Gertz uh, did a study in 1995, and then Kleck did a follow-up in 2001. So that's what they're referencing in this meta-analysis. Okay. Their estimate is that 60,000 to 120,000 defensive uses of guns per year uh, between 1992 and 1994. So you got to remember, this is when the rate was doubled, the numbers I just gave you. So okay. effectively, what we're saying is there are one to two, um, one to two defensive uses of a firearm for every gun-related homicide in 1992 to 1994. Okay. But there's another interesting thing. That is the lowest end of the curve given by McDowell et al. And Kleck and Gertz, who did another study in 1995, talking about crime deterrence where maybe a gun was present but not drawn. Um, it, it widened the net a little bit to like, I, see what you're saying. I told him I had a gun. I did. I might have shown him my gun, right? This, they've widened the net a little bit. Right. They say the number is as high as 2.5 million uses, defensive Holy uses cow. per year. Um, so huge, huge variety there. And you can see how just some simple reframing of that question can go from almost none to a ton. For instance, based on the Kleck and Gertz model, I've defensively used my firearm. Now, I've never drawn ah, my firearm on somebody, I but I was being followed home uh, after, uh, after defending somebody on a train effectively from some harassment, some, some verbal sexual harassment. I spoke up and then this group of this group of guys started following me home. I'm in the train station and I saw them following me and they started picking up the pace when I saw them and I just showed them that I had a gun and they left they left, right? So under the uh, McDowell et al study, the N C V S study, I probably right. wouldn't be considered a defensive use under Clark and Gertz, I most likely would. So there's like but, a huge fungible number in there. 
here's the thing. And that's and I and I, I think that one point two million to me sounds really high. Two point five you know, million. It's two point five, excuse me. Um I halved it. That's the Hunter Carl half it. Um <laughs> great, so, great uh technique for yeah, yeah. for card buying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um if you had opened up your coat and there was a bowie knife on the inside of your coat, <laughs> it wouldn't have the same effect. No, you get my point? taken it from me and killed me with it. Right, exactly. And so like having a it being a firearm specifically actually matters in that instance in my yeah. mind. And I would imagine that maybe not all the 2.5 million, but in a lot of those instances, it probably matters specifically that an individual either said they had a firearm or presented a firearm without brandishing it. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think like that makes sense to me that it's probably, I mean, it's somewhere between what do you say? Uh, 60,000 to 30,000 was the original. Was 60,000 to 120,000 was the low end. Okay. So that means all the way up to 2.5 million. So even if you count in suicides and you take the worst number, mm-hmm. right? For every death that happens from a gun, there's two lives saved. Yeah, one, one to two if you're using 1993 numbers. One to two. Ah, so ah okay, okay. On, on the low end. I'm with but you. if you're taking just homicides, which I think is relevant, then right. you're talking about two to four defensive uses for every for every homicide and then that's with the very lowest estimate i mean even if you cut the 2.5 million in half and just go with 1.2 now you're talking about 20 or 30 times more self-defense related activity right um compared to total deaths uh total homicides even suicides if you reduce that down to you know the 10,000 that we have today or something like that you're talking about uh a no matter where you split the difference right there, guns are used defensively far more often than they're used to actually perpetrate a homicide. And that so. kind of makes sense too, to me a little bit. Um, we're both concealed permit holders, uh, mm-hmm. which means we're, it's legal for us in the state we live to, you know, carry firearms concealed on our persons or in our cars. Um, and if you look into some of the data on like concealed permit carriers, like, almost never, ever, ever do concealed permit carriers commit crimes or uh, violent crimes. Not even gun-related crimes, just crimes whatsoever. Just crimes whatsoever. And that makes sense because it's like, you know, you can think about that is if you're going to be, you could see that guy being a hot shot going to pick up a concealed permit carrier. But a lot of people are picking it up for self-defense. You know, I want to know, and this is kind of the new world we live in, I want to know that when I go into a theater... If something happens, I can defend myself and the people I'm at that theater with because guess what? Sometimes mass shootings happen in theaters. If I'm in a bad street, I want to make sure that I have the ability to defend myself. Right. Um, and Let some me just of that... give you a couple of uh, stats on that if you want. Sure, yeah, shoot. Um, so there are, there are just a, a litany of stories in the past recent history of the good guy with the gun uh, – narrative playing out where concealed carry permit holders actually especially active crimes two in churches if i remember correctly mm-hmm. but go ahead yeah, yeah. Well, uh arlington texas yep. antioch tennessee rockledge florida 
Lyman, South Carolina, Winton, Ohio, Conyers, Georgia, New Holland, South Carolina, Chicago, Illinois, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Darby, Pennsylvania, Chicago, Illinois, Portland, Oregon, and Spartanburg, South Carolina. That's just some of the examples between now and 2012. And you got to remember, we're wow. talking about uh, over 10 mass shootings here that were effectively stopped by the good guy with the gun. Um, and uh, those received almost no national media coverage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know there was one in Georgia. Or most of those places, like those, those town names almost meant nothing to me. Right. Well, they don't get covered. And the thing you've got to remember is that any mass shooting that occurs gets covered unless it doesn't fit this narrative. And so that 10 mass shootings is actually, um, quite, quite a percentage of the mass shootings. Another thing to show here is that, um, Oh, let me just read this statistic out to you. Regression estimates show a significant association between increased permit ownership and a drop in murder and violent crime rates. Each percentage point increase in rates of permit holding is associated with a roughly 2.5% drop in the murder rate. So wow. if you want to lower your murder rate in your city... Get concealed um, permit carriers. Yeah, and just so you know that I'm not lying, this is uh, Crime Prevention Research Center. It's a paper by John R. Lott that was... That was um, published in 2017 so he's a neo-nazi right yeah of course (laughs) um naturally and now i don't know slander or libel but uh fair use and joke so fair use and joke. i've used enough of my um my uh, legalese words also john lott in that same study uh, found that concealed carry permit holders are some of the most law-abiding people in the United States. The rate at right. which they commit crimes generally and firearm crimes specifically is between one-sixth and one-tenth of that recorded for police officers who are themselves committing crimes at a fraction of the rate of the general population. So wow, um, if you want to say that cops, there are no good cops, well, what you really should say is there are very few good cops who are as good as concealed carry permit holders. Well, I mean, but... Those cops are covering it up, Chris. No, I mean, yeah. come on. Well, I mean, yeah, come no, on. but think about that. That's crazy. Right. Like, I, I like the police. They police do a lot of good. We've talked about that a lot. But you know that, like, there's some cops that have each other's there back. There are dirty when cops. They, sure, sure, when sure, they, sure, like, sure. You know, they find another cop driving drunk, and they're like, "Let me just drive you home," or whatever happens. Like, mm. is that is that a widespread issue? I don't think so. Does it definitely happen? Yes. And then concealed carry permit holders are committing crimes at a tenth of the rate of cops. Like, it it's is insane. It is a very yeah. relevant statistic. So. No, and I think I think that's I think that's like so one of the things I think that's good about that is you get so much of the negative side of guns, right? Because that that's essentially what the media fills you in on, it, it tries to overload you with and make sure like that's your focus. And I think very rarely you get the hey, there's a silent group of people that have guns in their back pockets. You don't know them. You never notice them because they're smart and they don't want to open carry because they think that's a stupid and b provocative. Right. Um, and and there's some of the most well mannered, civilized people in your society. Right. And well, not like, only that, they're actually dragging the crime rate down. I mean, that regression right. is, of course, correlation doesn't get equal causation. So I'm not saying that they are yes. Yes. bringing the crime down, but I will say that the the environment which allows them to increase in number where they go and get permits, where they feel comfortable, where they want to live, et cetera, commiserates with a climate and an environment that reduces the crime rate. So these are people that are seeking, you know, they're seeking out areas where the conditions exist for lower crime rates to occur. 
And what you could say is that, what you could say reasonably then, is that if you made a climate without making a direct policy, if you made a climate where it was more attractive to concealed weapon carry, um, concealed weapon carriers, you would have a, a climate that was also conducive to reduced crime rates yes. based on their regression. That makes sense to me. And yeah. yeah, it's not saying, it's not saying that this is the solution, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you would need you need to do a multi-regression analysis to use that big word again. Hey, um, that's fun. Hey, that's fun. Um, to me, there's like two other things here. One is to talk about mass shootings um, because we haven't really talked about that except for the fact that, hey, good people with guns have protected people. Uh, the other thing is, and, and I think this is like, you know, back to the empathy doesn't make you moral point is to talk about the ways that you can solve the issue. Um, do, do, which one of those do you think is more pertinent? Which one do you think we have the time for, I guess? like what, what, what's? Let's go to the, the first point that you just made, and I have a little transition for it. Um, okay, go gun ahead. enthusiasts, people that have concealed weapon permits, etc. They, uh-huh. I mean, the AR-15 is incredibly popular, and it's demonized sure, sure, by sure, the sure, media sure. because of its lawnmower and chainsaw attachments, which are very gruesome. Right. Uh, just go ahead and Google those if you're too stupid to know that I'm lying to you. Uh, <laughs> however, the AR-15 is actually one of the co- most commonly used self-defense weapons, whereas you have uh, the vast majority of shootings, homicides, um, you know, violent homicides and, and mass shootings being hand- uh, ha- mm. handled with handguns. Yes, being uh, handguns as the weapon of choice for those people. So what, um, uh, what that goes to say... Wasn't the guy say, at the... That the uh, University in Virginia, it's escaping me at this moment. I think he did that completely with handguns only. Yeah, um, had several different handguns. Right, and, right, uh, right. That's according to uh, that's the FBI's FBI.gov statistics that say that you know uh, the majority are are used. Uh, the majority of violent crimes are perpetrated with handguns. Violent gun homicides. Actually, this is an interesting statistic from the same source. More people are stabbed to death every year than are murdered with rifles. So, and the AR-15, oh, wow. of course, is a rifle. Um, and FBI stands for uh, the Fascist Bureau of Investigation, correct? Yeah. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> Let me give you one more crazy statistic. It's kind of a transition here. Okay. A person yeah, is ahead. more likely to be bludgeoned to death with a blunt object or beaten to death with hands and feet than to be murdered with a rifle. You are kidding me. Yeah. So you're literally, when people want to demonize these high-capacity magazines... They and, should talk about how bad humans are. Yeah, tactical stuff. Like stocks. how evil humans are. Yeah, the, the guns are not the problem here. So when you take that statistic and you're like, okay, you're there's so very few murders that occur by a rifle and even a gun um, mm. in that case, and then you're more likely to be beat to death with you know hands and fists... That's a great case study for why these are so important. When you, you know, you said you thought 2.5 million is such a high number. Well, think about it this way: you're more likely to be killed in a in a physical mano a mano confrontation that never needs to happen if you're just carrying a handgun. So that's right. a really, or, or carrying a rifle. That, that's like a really interesting stati- way to frame the debate, and it's just based on the the numbers and the facts that there now it starts making more sense. Like, hey, you're more likely to be a accosted by fists and blunt objects and those altercations absolutely don't have to occur if you just show somebody that you have a gun and that you're willing to demonstrate its function to them so correct yeah anyhow i I think that kind of helps us start walking into your first point yeah uh 
I think, you know, mass shootings seem to be the talk of the town, mm-hmm. you know, what everybody is excited about. Um, I'm curious, like, are they becoming more prevalent? Are they becoming less prevalent? Are they, you know, we typically, what happens is, and you've talked about this, is the AR-15 gets demonized, but it's not always the weapon used, and I think it's not always the weapon commonly used in these mass shootings. Um, I could be incorrect about that, but, you know, to me, those are like, those are like the interesting questions there, I think. Well, yeah, and they're interesting because those are the arguments that people use uh, to push, to push stricter gun control. So mm-hmm. I'll say a couple things about shootings in general, and then we can extrapolate to mass shootings. So, um, and and this was a really interesting statistic to me. I didn't have any any concept for this when it started, and uh, this is actually uh, based on a study done by the Washington Post, of all places. I know what you're thinking, but <laughs> as much as eighty percent of gun related homicides are carried out with illegally owned firearms, which is kind of a Ah. crazy number if you think about it. Yeah, Um, it is. And then you start looking at, so you're talking about 10,000 people, and 8,000 of those are murdered by illegally owned weapons. Insanity. The argument is that if you got rid of every legally owned firearm, at most you'd be saving 2,000 lives per year. Right, at most. At most. And that's not counting the 2.5 potential defensive cases right, that right, right, right. have been used to prevent, uh, you know, some of those blunt force trauma. Uh, Washington deaths. Post, that's a Fox News outlet? Yeah, they're a subsidiary of Fox <laughs> News. Hunter. I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't help myself. You've I'm on a roll You've turned the brains of the listeners into a pretzel hunter. Uh, <laughs> another, another thing that's interesting is that if you look at the risk factors for gun-related deaths, and this is for for the general homicide population, that 10,000 number, we're starting to dig into uh, why gun violence happens. So effectively, being in a gang increases your percent chance of being murdered with a firearm by 15 to 33% instantly. So when you're talking about how many of these uh, violent crimes are uh, gang-related, that gives you a number right there that's that is a significant portion. I mean, we're talking about 1.5 to 3.3 thousand people annually. I'm going to have to call the bloods after this and tell them I'm out. Yeah, you got to get out. <laughs> you <laughs> got to get out. Um, also, being male makes you a target. Uh, being a black male specifically makes you a huge target. Uh, there are about 66% of the gun murder victims every year. Wow. And that's that's a crazy number when you're talking about, you know, of the 10,000, we're talking about 6.6 thousand. And yeah. a lot of people like to jump on that and say, see, systemic racism. Well, the hard part is that the vast majority, and I'm talking up to 95, 98%, depending on what research you're looking at, of Goodness those gracious. homicides ha- occur at the hands of other black people. Uh, ah. Black people shoot black people way more often than white people shoot black people. White people shoot white people shoot way white more people than more. black people shoot white people. It's just how right. it works out. So one one thing that is important when you're talking about mass shootings, and they do seem to be, mass shootings seem to be on the rise, while all shootings seem to be on the decline. Interesting. Uh, so gun violence is going down, but mass shootings are going up. Yes, and that is a problem, because women and children are far more likely to be killed during In a, a mass, mass shooting. shooting than a regular homicide so there is an issue here 
However, there's some other indications we should look at just really quickly um, about what's the best way to to dismantle the mass shooting culture. So according okay. to m- most studies, almost all mass public shooters have extensive histories of mental health issues, disturbing behaviors, or interpersonal violence. So this is kind of, you know, the let's let everybody out of jail crowd, maybe not so mm. fast, because a lot of the people that almost all, uh, statistically, mass shooters have these characteristics. Poor mental I health. A, yeah. And, and uh, you know, domestic abuse, these types of, these types of things. Um, which is not good. And then one number that's also extremely telling, especially in urban areas, um, a small number of recidivist of repeat offenders are responsible for the majority of the gun violence. So that's from mm. the UCLA School of Law Research. Uh, Interesting. Their study of rethinking gun violence. But they found that uh, it was kind of a Pareto distribution, that about 20%... <laughs> Pareto, that about 20% of the criminals are responsible uh-huh. for about 80%, 80% of the gun violence, right? Got it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Some interesting things to start the discussion with, right? Like we've got mm-hmm. some data points here. So it does look like that mass shootings are on the rise. These people are, they, they have histories and they're not followed up on properly. By and large, they're committing crimes with illegally owned weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, so and they have the mental health thing is the thing I think that's so interesting. Um, I am. This is probably one of the most well. No, it's definitely not the most unpopular opinion I have, but it's definitely <laughs> not a popular opinion. Um, I I really strongly believe that we should bring back asylums. I think they should have different names, and I think they should operate under vastly different principles. But the fact that there is no place to put like not a prison, mm-hmm. but like mental wards for people who are a danger to society simply because they don't have the stability to be a part of it, right? There needs to be a place for those people. And the main reason for that is a lot of this, and it, it, that actually comes from a place of compassion. Yeah, Because what I, honest, what I honestly think is like, I'll talk about the homeless problem first, but like people on the streets who don't have food that have to bag and everything, I am completely fine with there being public dollars to assist those people who do suffer from mental conditions, which a vast majority of them do. Mm-hmm. I don't have any problem with that. I think you would see less crime. I think you would see um, less poverty. And I think you would actually help people that really didn't have much of a future. The same being said for people who have mental conditions that their families and um, I'm going to go with reasonably can't take care of them. The main reason I'm saying that is because I, I don't know what the parameters are on that idea, but I think like the main reason being that these people probably were like known risk and they couldn't get the proper treatment that they needed and putting them somewhere else may have been the best solution for that. Yeah. Now I, I know that sounds horrible that you would want to put somebody in a whole, in another place, but 
there needs to be a place that is not a prison for people who cannot be a part of society. Absolutely. From a mental perspective. That just seems like base level compassion. Not only that, but there's externalities to not having a place like that. Like for instance, if you're going to take on the eugenical argument of, you know, is abortion illegal in every case, whatever, you know, you can debate that endlessly. But one of the things that gets brought up is like, well, what about for crazy people? You know, Mm -hmm. if you know that your kid's going to be severely retarded, I don't think that that gives you the right to murder it. However, if then uh, that child's just going to be a drag on society and and be on the street and committing murders, et cetera, who knows what they might be doing? Um, They're more likely to commit mass shootings. We know that there needs to be an option for those people where they can get the medication and the help that they need and be cared for. I mean, that I, I think that. As bad of a rap as asylums have, and rightfully so, historically speaking, the fact that we don't have mental health institutions that are publicly funded seems to me to be a mistake. It does. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then I think, like, to kind of go into the other side of this is, like, you know, mass shootings are kind of, like, a uniquely American problem, right? Um, and it probably has something to do with uh, our culture um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's problems that other countries have that are uniquely theirs, you know, and they're wrapped up in culture and years of history. And, you know, um, uh, you can, you can see that happen. Um, I think what you have to start to consider now is like, what are the solutions that we could do today to help fix that? And, you know, a lot of the times you hear stuff like, well, we could outlaw automatics. Well, guess what? They're already outlawed. (laughs) They're already outlawed. You could say, well, we could outlaw semi-automatics. Well, now you just literally named every gun in the entire book. Except for like six. Right. And that means like most hunting rifles would be illegal, right? And every every reasonable handgun. I mean, even most revolvers are semi-automatic in operation. And most shotguns, right? You like crazy stuff like that. And then the question is, is it worth losing the lives that firearms save without uh, is it worth losing the lives that firearms save by making that kind of horrible restriction? I think you go, well, no. So people get creative, right? And they go, well, we should, we should make changes to background checks. Well, background checks are already everywhere. The main thing that you have is like when a family member gives a firearm to somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know, that really, 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 you need to be really careful when you do that. There can be a lot of issues with that. And I think that's something, I don't know exactly what you do from a policy perspective, but well, as as an avid gun owner and, uh, uh, you know, been around them since birth, you can go to a federally licensed firearm dealer and do a transaction there. You correct. It's, it's not expensive. In some cases it's free. You go there, they run the background check and they basically, broker the purchase and Mm -hmm. uh that's the right way to do it i think i don't have a problem shows this happens yeah yeah they have they have uh federally licensed dealers there the gun show loophole is kind of a a joke a a joke Yeah. yeah i think other people are like possibly like thinking about you know uh clip reductions and the problem with that idea that i find you're talking about like magazine Sorry, capacity magazine capacity so yeah. saying that you can only have 10 like 10 round magazines instead of like 30 round 50 round whatever mm-hmm. the real issue that you run into when you start doing stuff like that is well what if somebody just buys 110 round magazines 
yeah, or illegally obtains 110 round magazines. It the math's a little different. It's not really that different though. Yeah, it's it's, as fast as it takes you to switch out a clip. And somebody that's that's trained with their weapon, um, which sure. maybe they are, maybe they aren't. If they have it illegally, but someone that's trained with their weapon uh, can. The whole point of having magazines is so that you never have to stop firing. Like, right, exactly. That's, that's that design. is the point. And so it, it it seems illogical in the same way that banning bump stocks, I think, was illogical. It's just not the the solution was way bigger than the the problem in my opinion there hmm. um at any rate and, and, and a lot of people don't know this either but there's so many things that are restricted i mean sure to get to get a license to have something like a um, suppressor or a silencer on a weapon that you have um certain types of of attachments certain even certain types of um you know even to have the the threads on a barrel so that you could have a suppressor put on or some kind of attachment like that. You, you have to go through a lengthy, lengthy process to get a, a stamp. You have to pay out the nose to get that stamp. And if you ever have that gun on you and you don't physically have the stamp, you go to jail. Like mm. it's an amazing how many restrictions are already on it that people are just not aware of. And that, right. that's the same. That's a very similar process for fully automatic weapons. Um, you yes. can, you can purchase them. It's incredibly expensive. So, uh, so what do you do? What should you as the listener do? Someone who doesn't like violence, somebody that wants to see less violence. So, you know, I guess we never really got to, to why, uh, guns are so important legally speaking. And, um, from, you know, America's legal documents and some of the, some of the arguments we could go through there. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really touch that. And that's okay. I think for this introduction, what I would say is this, is that, and and this is a sentiment that's shared by a bunch of my friends that own guns and uh, either enjoy them or defend themselves with them, et cetera. You don't buy a gun so that you can destroy things you hate. You buy a gun so that you can protect things that you love. And one of the most critical parts of that equation is not buying a gun and being a cowboy and going and wearing it into Starbucks, but it's being serious. You know, maintaining your firearm, cleaning your firearm, learning the ins and outs of your firearm. I mean, when I get a new firearm, I field strip it once a day, sometimes once an hour, you know, until I know that gun inside and out. Learn how it operates. Take it to the range. Practice with it. Shoot with it know everything about it, know how it feels in your hand, etc., and then get a concealed permit and carry a weapon and be willing to protect the community around you when the call comes. Answer the call and be don't be afraid, but be diligent. And what we've seen with some of the statistics we've talked through is that you bought a legally purchased firearm so you've already removed yourself from the pool of people that's going to commit a crime for that reason. You've trained with it so that you might not have an accident, because that's something we didn't really talk about either. But firearm accidents are, are real, although they are included in those homicide numbers I gave you. Oh, well, that's good. And then you have increased your knowledge, increased your understanding of it, and gone through the proper prices, uh, the proper process to get a concealed carry permit in your area and what does that mean well what it means is that you've at least in a certain sense made yourself into the type of person that's very unlikely to commit a crime and that if there were more people 
like you, where you were at, uh, attracted to the location you were at, there would be less crime. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that correlation is causation. I'm just saying that the regression seems to show that that's setting up a society by which that is an option is really good for reducing the crime rate. Now, of course, another thing we didn't really talk about uh, in great detail, but there's been some amazing, amazing bravery on behalf of concealed carry uh, permit holders in the recent years that they've stopped many people from dying um, at churches, at schools, etc. And yeah. uh, not that I hope anybody within the sound or reach of my voice would have to be that person, but it is, it is your duty to this protect, is, yeah. to, to protect and to protect the yeah. things that you love. And I think that, I think that if you're not the type of person that's made that choice, I think there's no time to waste. I don't think that you have the option to be blind. I don't think you have the option to be um, ignorant. And I don't think you have the option to rely on others to do that for you. So that would be my encouragement is, is to add yourself to one of the greatest statistics in, you know, American history. And that is the low crime rates and um, community benefits of carrying a concealed weapon. Yeah. And I think, I think with that, I think, um, when Chris and I were growing up, we used to go hunting, uh, with my father. My name's Hunter. Grow up. what do you expect? Yeah. You know? So, um, and you're either a liberal girl or a conservative man. Those are the only <laughs> options. Exactly. Right. Uh, and the number one thing, no matter how many times we went out, no matter how many times, uh, we shot the we had a conversation every time which was safety, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you are feeling inspired, if you're feeling like you want to go and uh, learn more, possibly even purchase your first firearm, just do yourself a favor. Find somebody at whatever gun store you go to, walk up to them and say, sir, I've never owned a firearm before, before or <laughs> ma'am, prefer, and... I really, really need to understand how to be safe with it. And they will either yeah. get you the resources or they'll take the time out of their day to, to tell you how, because, you know, it, that, that culture, that mindset, you know, is so critical to continue. And it's so critical when, you know, I think about when you're talking about responsibility and defending people, Chris, and I think that's exactly right. I think the other side to that coin is, the reason that you would choose a firearm to do that is because it was the most responsible, safest and efficient way to carry that duty out. Mm-hmm. You know, the duty is the duty is essential. The the use of a firearm for that is if it's the right way to perform that duty. Right. You, you get my point. And uh, well, so I yeah, think, it's not about a gun. It's about yes, exactly. respect for life, honestly. And right. and it's also about respect for yourself. If you have the power to take life and you choose not to that is that is uh one framework for morality i mean jordan peterson mm-hmm. would say those who have um she those who have swords and lead them sheathed will inherit the world that's his interpretation of uh the meek shall inherit the earth i think he's exactly right uh, it's not about a gun it's not about that you know having the latest and greatest tech although there's nothing wrong with that but at a, a certain level especially for me as a man and the leader of family and those types of things it's about 
having the respect for myself and the respect for my own life and the respect of the lives of the people around me that I want to be able to employ the most efficient, best, useful tool when it comes to defending those things that I love. And I think that it doesn't make you a better person, but it's commiserate with the path to becoming moral. Um, right on. I think that's where I'd leave it. Being empathetic doesn't make you moral. That goes for guns too, man. Yeah. Nice job. Hey. Good stuff. That was fun. Maybe a drier episode, but I hope uh, you guys enjoyed the, the research and the facts. And uh, you can use those, again, when you're arguing with your idiot niece. Liberal cousin Hunter. <laughs> Does anybody not have a liberal niece? Yeah. Okay, just Dead checking. people. All right. Anyway, <laughs> that's been Carl Pulling. I've got a lot of editing Hunter out of this podcast to do, which is uh, no doubt pulls very favorably with the audience. Um, that's true. Thanks everyone for your ratings and reviews. Keep that up on iTunes, Facebook, wherever you want to go. We're at carlpulling.com. You can find all of our links there. Carl Pulling on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Chris X Carl. Hunter is at Emotional Carl. You can email us. Hey, if you want to buy a firearm, you want to learn more, you want to know some of the basic rules to be safe, uh, email us, carlpulling at gmail.com. That's another option you have. We'd be more than happy Absolutely. to walk you through some of that. And uh, yeah, I think that's been the show. I love it, man. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, go out, get your firearms, and uh, you know, stay safe. Stay safe. Get and out if you're of the not backseat. sure if you're going to be safe, no. Get tested. No. No.